Once in a while, I have one too many tails, and I forget to disconnect. For those of you at home, you missed the whole thing, so sorry. Hey, it's uh, great to be here. It is great to see so many kind of uh, new faces, but also so many uh, faces of those of you who are kind of making your way back here. This is great as we kind of come back together as a church, as we gear up towards the fall. So um, just wanted to give a shout out to everybody who's here, and also a continued shout out to those who are at home. Uh, who are joining us online. Uh, this has been an experiment for about a year now, and, and we're kind of getting to the place, I think we kind of know what we're doing. Right, Jeff? You good? Yeah, we got the thumbs up behind the camera, so we're good. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to let you guys know about before we get into the message. One is this, uh, Goddard Park. We're excited to be there. The thing that we were not able to get into the pre-recorded uh, announcements because uh, Cheryl's actually gone, BJ's gone, everybody's out of the house except us, and so they... Um, they tried to get as much as possible, but we are going to have a, a bake-off, a um, muffin bake-off uh, on Goddard Park morning. We're going to have breakfast, kind of a continental breakfast. We'll provide the uh, fruit and some of the juices and coffee and stuff, but we want to see uh, if there are some bakers among us who would like to try out their best recipes, and uh, we're going to have some judges and some fantastic prizes. I can't tell you how great they're going to be. Um, you'll get to go home with the other person's muffins, I think. So... <laughs> Um, but we're going to have a bake-off on uh, Goddard Park morning. So if you'd like to join us for breakfast prior to the service and just be there about a half hour early and uh, bring your muffins and that should be a good time. The other thing I wanted to announce because now it's official, they've posted on social media, so it's out there now, but BJ and Shannon have had their little girl. And, uh, and so they are kind of at home and recovering and uh, everybody looks fine and happy. Uh, maybe they're not at home yet. I think maybe they were at the hospital still. So anyway, but you can go online, you can find out. Um, but it was good to, they kind of wanted us to s- sit on that until they told the family and everything, but uh, now it's official. So uh, we're excited for them. Uh, BJ is going to be taking some time off as uh, they kind of get settled as a family, and then he'll be back with us uh, the week after Goddard Park. So dodge that bullet, I guess. I guess they didn't have any good muffin recipes. So, um, but we congratulate them. Keep them in your prayers as well. Uh, so, how are you guys doing this morning? Good? Great. Um, this week is actually the last week of our summer series. This summer, we've been going through the series called Everyday Stories in the Life of Jesus. And what we've been doing is looking at uh, stories of the Gospels. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but Jesus' everyday stories are very different than my, my everyday stories, right? I mean, I mean there are some things... With, I look at some of the things. I might have a good day. I might have a day that I accomplish a lot. But, you know, we were reading about how he, you know, walks on water and, you know, heals the sick and, and then changes water into wine. And I'm thinking of that. I mean, I, I might have a good day, but, but I don't know about you guys, but that's just not a typical day for me, right? That's not an everyday story. But those were his everyday stories. But on the other hand, we've also seen that Jesus was, um, he spent a lot of time hanging out with people that were kind of on the fringes, people that were rejected by others. In fact, he was actually, we read a story, uh, looked at a story where he was rejected. He was asked to leave. Uh, We read a story about how he had celebrities that would come in and he would actually just kind of let them walk away. And I'm reading those stories. I'm going, well, that sounds a little bit more like my life, right? 
right? I mean, just kind of those normal everyday things. We don't get to um, see some of the ex- those uh, miraculous things maybe, but those everyday, those normal things, which were also a part of his life, just touching, uh, rubbing shoulders with, with normal people. Um, the other thing that we've noticed is that Jesus regularly would see things that we wouldn't see, right? See things in people's lives, draw out things, call out things that we might otherwise miss. Today, we're going to look at a story from the life of Jesus from the book of Mark in chapter four. And uh, in this, Jesus is telling the crowds these stories called parables. And parables uh, are simply, they're stories that have a point. They have a deeper message that you could easily enjoy the, the parable, but the whole reason for this story is the point. And so Jesus is telling the story about this farmer who's spreading seed uh, out in his, in his field, and he calls the disciples to himself, and he's going to speak, he says these words to them that are in Mark 4, chapter uh, 4, verse 11 through 12. So let's stand as we hear God's word for us this morning. Mark chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. Jesus said to his disciples, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they see, but do not perceive, and while hearing they hear, but do not understand. Otherwise, they would return and be forgiven. Have you ever been in the midst of kind of your normal everyday life, and suddenly you have this sense just kind of almost like um, of just destiny, of, your, of eternity kind of breaking into that moment. Just an everyday normal moment. You're doing laundry, you're, you're studying for a test, you're, you're out taking a hike, and all of a sudden it's just like God is right there with you in the midst of that everyday kind of place. And it's like suddenly you become aware of almost like the point of it all rather than just the story going on around you. I think that many of us have had that kind of uh, experience. And Jesus told his disciples, do you know what? That is, that is the, the key, that, that point. That, that's the key to understanding what the kingdom of heaven is about. That's the key to understanding what our lives are really about. It's those moments where we actually kind of, where eternity breaks in and we see the point of the story rather than just watch the events of the story roll by said, to you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Today, the, the message today is called a story continued. Because what we're going to find out is that the story, the point of our story, the point of any story on this earth is, is really that we continue that story that Jesus began, that story that we've been looking at throughout this summer, those everyday stories that we live out that same life. We show that same heart of God through our lives through the power of his spirit living through us. Amen? A story continued. Father, uh, we want to hear from you today. We want to know the point of our story. Instead of just being those who might watch things pass by, we want to be those that understand why things are happening, that, that we understand the purpose behind every event of our life, every opportunity of our lives. And Father, that, that wisdom... It's in your hands. It's not in ours. We could sit and think all day and completely miss the point. Or we could sit and listen for just one minute and we could hear from you and understand it all. 
So Father, let this moment, this place in time, be a time that we're listening, that we're drawing near, that, we're, that eternity is breaking in to our everyday lives this morning. Show us the point. Show us the point to this parable of our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, your son. We pray this for your glory, Father, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, when I was seven years old, I remember, and it's still, it is, it's like burned, embedded in my mind, in my, my memory, my muscle memory remembers this. I was laying out on the front lawn as a seven-year-old. I had, it was beautiful summer evening. I had my elbows on the ground. My chin was in my hands. And I was just kind of looking off into the distance. The sky was changing as the sun went down, so the colors were coming out. There was this breeze going through the trees that you could hear, and you could hear the birds around. And then suddenly, I got this feeling, just this sense of God was there. God was there, and this sense of just meaning and importance, this, this uh, purposefulness, this peace came over me. And I remember sitting there as a seven-year-old and just, and, and just even now thinking about it because it was just, it's still, it's still so there. But I remember sitting there thinking, you know, I wonder if this will keep going if I just don't move, right? And so I tried as long as possible just not to move. I tried not even to move my thoughts very far, you know? And I'm just sitting there and, and like it usually does, it just kind of, it's there and then whether it fades away or whether it goes away, but it lasted for a moment. And in the midst of this normal seven-year-old's life, it was like I was given a glimpse into eternity. I was given a, a, a glimpse at the point, the meaning, the purpose. Because in that moment, it all kind of, in this mind of an experience of a seven-year-old, you know, it all kind of made sense. It made sense. And it made sense who God was and who I was. Now, I know that some of you guys have probably had that same kind of experience. Maybe it was out, you're out on the water and you just sense that closeness with God. I know um, Ken Bell, I saw you walk in, I think, but there he is. So Ken and I uh, both hail from Colorado and many of us, instead of going out onto the water, we try and find a mountain somewhere because it's in those places that it seems that you can, you can kind of regularly experience this closeness of God. And when we, in, when we have those times, it may be something just completely every day. You may be sitting with a group of friends, and then suddenly there's just this sense that, that everything is right where it should be, and God is with you, and life just kind of clicks and makes sense. And when that happens, sometimes we try and do what I try to do as a seven-year-old, right? It's like, I wonder how long we can keep this, Right? Or, or we may even, if it does go away, we may go back to that place again and again. We try and recapture that. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. But we keep going back and, and, and sometimes we're, we're trying to, it, it kind of haunts us. It draws us back to it. As we try to go back and experience that moment of understanding kind of that, the point that, that we understand the mystery that's behind our lives and behind this kingdom of heaven, behind this who God is, how much he loves us. We experience this, this meaning and this purpose, this direction of our lives. And we experience really these things that normally can get covered up or even forgotten about in just the clutter of our everyday, right? And we lose track of it. In Mark chapter four, Jesus is telling this crowd some stories. 
And he's, he's telling everyday stories that they had experienced before. They, they knew these things. Um, he was talking about farmers scattering seed out on their field. He's talking about a woman who had, had lost a, a coin that, of, of great value. He was talking about everyday things. He's talking about a lamp that you light. And he says, you don't, you don't cover it up. You, it's supposed to go up on a lampstand to give light to the room. Or he's talking about yeast that you put in bread so that it'll rise. And, and for some of us, you know, we, we go down to the store and we buy bread, right? So we don't actually make our own bread. We don't, we don't keep our coins. We go to the bank or we use a credit card or we just Venmo somebody some money, right? So, so we don't have some of these. We're distant from these stories. But I cannot overemphasize to you how common and every day these stories were that he was telling. But as people were listening to him, they noticed there was always a twist, Right? There was this twist in them that they, they, they started thinking, you know, I, I think he might be talking about more than what he seems to be talking about. I think there may be more to this story than just the story. And that's when Jesus pulled his disciples aside and he said those words that we read at the beginning. To you has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom, but to those who are outside, they get everything in parables. Say everything. You're like, why is he doing this, Right? Everything. Why is it important? Everything. Because Jesus, you notice he didn't say, to those who are outside, they get all my teachings in parables, right? He didn't say, those who are outside, get all my best thoughts in parables. He said, those who are outside, get everything in parables. Turn to somebody next to you and say, everything. Everything. What is everything? What did he, why is that important? Because uh, they get everything in parables. A parable is a story with a point. And the whole point of the story is the point. You can enjoy the story. You can sit back and watch it go by and be entertained by it. But if you don't understand the point, you've missed the whole reason the story was there. If you're getting everything in parables, it's important to know the point. But he said, to you has been given to know the mystery. To those who are outside, they get everything in parables. Now, we're going to talk in a minute about who those are who are outside, why there are those who are outside in the first place. But I want us to think first about what does everything include? Well, everything, first thing Jesus makes clear is that everything includes his teachings, right? These stories he's telling. So for example, in that story about the man uh, scattering the seed on the soil, he says there's four types of soil and he explains to his disciples, those four types of soil are four types of hearts. There are four ways that we can either respond to God and either, either re- reject what he's doing, decide to stay removed from him, or we can dive into what he's doing. Okay, So obviously there's a point to the stories that Jesus spoke. But everything also includes every act that Jesus did, every part of his life regularly, over and over again, what we've seen this last summer and what you see in reading the Bible is that, is that every act of Jesus, every event in his life had a deeper meaning to it, had something that was going on in the background. For example, Jesus, when he died, we all know there was a lot more going on than just some guy dying on a cross, right? There's a point to that story. When Jesus rose, there was a point to that story, but also there was a point There was a deeper kind of message in the feeding of the 5,000. There was a deeper message that was conveyed in that large catch of fish that we talked about last week. There was a deeper message in the changing of the water into wine. There was always a point in Jesus' life. Jesus' life was like a parable that had a point to it that we need to know. 
If we understand what God is saying through his life, everything includes things like nature. Psalm 19 says, the heavens are declaring the glory of God, even though they don't have a voice that we hear with our ears. They're telling a story that's much more than that there are a bunch of shiny, pretty lights out there. Everything includes history. The events of history are a story with a meaning. God is telling, is speaking truth, is speaking his story through the events that we see pass by. That's why we have in the Bible, we have the stories of things like creation. And creation isn't told just as a science manual that tells all the hows, whys, and wheres that things happen. It tells it that there was a purpose to what happened. Because it's a story with a purpose. Everything includes math and literature, science, philosophy. It includes the way that we're put together. It includes the way that we interact with each other. Everything is everything. Say everything. And everything includes our own lives. Each one of our lives is a story being told by God that is far more than just the events on the surface that pass by. Each one of our stories has a purpose, has a meaning, has an intent that God is speaking through them. Everything is everything. And those who are not on the inside, who are not pressing into Jesus to find out what that point is, they get the story. They may enjoy the story. Sometimes you enjoy the story, sometimes you don't. But they may hear the story, but regularly may be missing the point. So, why are there people who are on the inside and the outside to begin with? Right? Doesn't it seem that it would make sense? Why wouldn't Jesus just tell everything, everybody, about the point so they could know everything about everything? Right? Why wouldn't he do that? Well, we learn something from Jesus, even in his own story. If you look at uh, what he did in his own life, you see there were several people that he called to the inside, right? So he went out and he called 12 guys. He called his disciples. He called them specifically for a purpose he had in mind for them. He was going to send them out to be his representatives, his commissioned ones. And the word for that in Greek is apostle. He was going to send them out as apostles. And there were 12 specifically that he called for that purpose. They were insiders. But then beyond them, there were others that chose to follow Jesus. And so they chose to follow him. They chose to be around when he was teaching things. They chose to be there to ask him questions and to be there during these events. And so there were hundreds of people that followed after him. And they were insiders as well. They were on the inside when he explained the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. And this is an important point. That group was open to anyone. Anyone. So who are the outsiders? The outsiders are those who chose, for whatever reason, to set them apart, themselves apart from that. To not press in, to not ask Jesus the questions, to not be there when he's teaching, to not be there in the events to see this parable unfold. Outside, out being an outsider is a choice. Maybe they didn't agree with something he did. Maybe they didn't believe that he was actually the son of God that he said he was. Maybe they got frustrated with what he was doing. And an example of this, a very sad example of this, is Judas. Judas was actually one of those deep insiders. He was one of the 12. 
Jesus chose him, called him. He was on the inside of everything, but at some point, and you see this developing over the the story of the gospel, you see him getting frustrated with how Jesus chose to go about bringing in salvation, bringing in the kingdom. And at some point, he grew to the point that he was so frustrated, he stepped to the outside. He chose to make him to be an outsider, to miss the point, to watch the story unfold, but to miss the point to not understand the mystery of the kingdom. So inside and outside, that's a decision we make. That's a choice that God has given to us. Will we be those who press in and ask, or will we be those who stay on the outside? Jesus told a parable one time. He said, you know, you have a lamp and you light it. And if you've ever had a candle, an open flame, he says, there are times that you're going to need to cover it. If you're walking out in the wind, you need to cover it up so it doesn't blow out. But the purpose of a light, the purpose of a lamp, of an open flame, is not to be covered up. It's to be put up on a lampstand so that it gives light to the room. He said, so if you ever see a lamp that's covered up, know that that's not his purpose. Now, he was talking about himself, because he said, I may be covered up. You may not see that I, me in the glory of the Son of God, but you can know that if I'm covered up, it's not to remain covered up. I'm going to be uncovered. But he also is talking about even things like the truth that he was speaking through these parables. If you see a truth of, the truth of God and is covered up by a parable, that's not the purpose of God's truth. God's intention is that we would understand the point. But he will never force us to understand the point. He will never force us and overwhelm us into his kingdom and making us go against our very will. So God may let us see, if you think about the last half of that verse that we read, the second verse, it says, God will let us see, but he will never force us to perceive, right? God will let us hear, but he will not force us to understand. He will let us experience life in this world, but he will never force us to turn back to him or to be forgiven. So the question for us this morning is, what are we going to do? What do we do with that authority, that power that God has given us to choose? Are we going to choose to be those who press in to Jesus to ask the questions, to walk next to him through our whole lives so we understand the point of the story? Are we going to choose to be those who just watch the story go by but miss the point? This morning, I want to um, leave us with really three sets of things that we can do. If, if we are choosing to be those who want to press into Jesus, because Jesus says, you know, the point of our story, the, the whole purpose of, of creation, the whole purpose of, of us is that we would reflect God's heart in this world, that we would continue that story that Jesus began. There are often times that God comes alongside of us with the power, the very power that we saw go through and in, in operate in the life of Christ. And we see that operating through our lives as well. He says, that's not the point. The point is that people would see the very heart, the compassion, the grace, the love of God through our lives. And so what can we do to be those that have lives that draw near as insiders rather than those who stand on the outside and just see the the story, but miss the point. I want to give us three things. There are two, three sets of things. There's a perspective, there's a practice. In the perspective, 
out of the perspective comes the practice. And all of these come from a group of people uh, during the first five or six centuries after Christ, first centuries of the Christian church. There's a group of people that lived up in the British Isles, and the gospel kind of came in waves to the British Isles in those early centuries. And, and so it would kind of, it would come in, and, and the, there were the Celtic people that lived up there, and, and and they would get kind of this rush of the gospel, and there would be those who gave their life to Christ, but then it would have to kind of roll back because it was so far away from the center of kind of the Roman Empire where the Christianity started and where it was thriving. It was, it was far away from there, and so you'd get this kind of rush for missionaries that would go out, but then it would kind of have these lulls, and they'd be kind of on their own to figure out, well, how do we practice this? So it was far away from that. It was far away from the communication was, was irregular, and so... They developed these very unique practices, these very unique um, kind of perspectives that they had about how do you follow Christ? How do you live a life? But these practices that they came up with um, are like tailor-made for what we're talking about. They were all about how do you live a life that stays in this constant awareness and this constant connection with, with Jesus in the midst of just everyday living. So I want to give you three of these, three sets, perspective and purpose, um, that we can start incorporating into our lives that will help us also live close to Jesus, that we start to see this kind of this uh, behind the veil, so to speak, that we start to see this purpose rather than just the parable. The first thing that we see them, uh, the perspective that they had, we need to learn how to develop with them. We need to learn how to develop this this perspective of purpose in our lives, a perspective of purpose in our lives. We need to teach ourselves in every moment to go into that moment knowing that God in that moment is speaking something through our lives. Do you guys know that? Every moment of our lives, you're sitting there, when you're sitting there doing the dishes, you're doing laundry, you're mowing the lawn, you're cleaning the garage, you're walking down the street, do you have in your mind that at that moment, God is speaking a story through your life and it does have a point? Do you know that? In everything. So this perspective that our lives have this immense purpose that everything is meaningful that we do. From the very mundane to the very kind of holy and sanct- you know, sanctified, everything is part of that story that God is speaking through your lives. And he's speaking it, not just for you, so that you can learn about him, but he's also speaking that through you to, to those who are around you. And not just the people around you, he is speaking it through you to creation. He is speaking it through you to the other lives around you. He, and he is speaking to you. And, um, you know, the early church used to have this understanding too. He's speaking through you and he's making his gospel known through you even to the angels and the demons in the heavenly places in the spiritual world, right? He's constantly speaking a story through you. So do you go in your life and you go into every moment with a sense of purpose? And when you're in that moment, you say, God, what is the purpose of this moment? You're driving down the street and things seem to just kind of be rolling along like a parable, just being told the story. You say, God, what is the point here? Out of that perspective then comes a practice. And the practice is the practice of patience. 
And it's patience in prayer. It's the patience of listening for the answer to the question you just asked God. Right? Because sometimes you say, God, what's the point of what I'm going through right now? And you don't hear anything. Anybody had that experience? Yeah. <laughs> Hands go up. Thank you for that hand. Right? The rest of you should have raised your hands too, because I know it happens to all of us, right? And you have that silence. Because out of that comes in the practice also of patience. The practice of patience, one in the prayer itself and waiting for that answer. You can know. God said, if you ask me a question, I will give you wisdom. I'll give you insight. I'll give you the answer. But you may have to wait. Why? I don't know. Because God is speaking his story. He's training us. He's teaching us to listen. The other thing that we have to be patient with sometimes is sometimes God asks, answers a question that we didn't really ask. The other day, for example, I'm driving home. And I'm, I said, you know, if I'm going to be preaching this message. I better, you know, maybe try this out even between now and when I get up there and talk about it. So I, I'm driving home. And I said, so God, what's the point of this moment in my life? And God says, you know what? You're in too much of a rush and you need to just stop driving so fast because there's no reason for it. Just slow down and breathe. And I'm thinking, I didn't even ask you that question. That's not what I was talking about. But sometimes we have to be patient with how God answers our question and just go, oh, I better go with him, right? And then we learn the answer to the question that we're asking <laughs> To begin with, because what was that moment about? Well, it ends up that moment was all about me slowing down, right? Just not being in such a rush, being able to enter into my home in a relaxed manner with my wife instead of entering in this frantic kind of mode that I usually walk in with, right? Perspective of purpose brings about the practice of patience. We listen and we enter in with God in prayer. The Celts also developed a perspective of what they called place, thin places, thin places. Thin places were places where it seemed that, that the, the spiritual world, that veil between the spiritual world and our physical world kind of got thin so that you could almost, God almost like broke in at times. You could see a little bit more clearly. And they saw every place and every moment as a potentially thin place where you could experience the very presence of God. And so they would, they would look for, they would be aware of where these, these thin places, like that moment that I found like in, in my front yard when I was seven years old. I wasn't even looking for it, but there it was. And I had this glimpse into eternity. I had this experience of just the reality of God's presence with me. And so they... they, they Looked for, they, they looked for these opportunities. Where are these thin places? You know, you can experience God. You can experience the presence of God when you read the Bible. You can experience the presence of God where, as you read the Bible and, and he speaks to you through it. You can experience a thin place as you pray. And you enter into this space and you just, everything's quiet inside and suddenly it's like you're talking right to him. Did you know, though, that you can experience the presence of God as you walk down the street? As you just go on a walk around your neighborhood, you can experience the presence of God. You can experience the presence of God as you gather with friends for dinner. 
And you're just gathered, and you're just aware that this is a place and a time where Jesus could be too. So why wouldn't I be attending to that in a way that allows us to just allows that barrier to just break down that little bit so that you can experience his presence in that moment? The Celts believed that saints, saints were just those, those who lived in that thin place, their lives became thin places where not only they got to experience the presence of God constantly, but people actually experienced the presence of God through their lives. So that's all a saint is. is somebody who walks in this all the time. So they had this perspective. That's what life is. That's what this world is. Constant awareness and walking into these sin places. So out of that perspective came a practice. The practice of pilgrimage. And pilgrimage to them was going to these places that others have said, this is where you can meet with God. But they took that whole idea and they said, you know what? Our whole life could be like that. Why don't I say, you know, I'm going to the bank today and the bank, I'm planning on meeting God at the bank. So everything becomes a part of this pilgrimage we're on to walk in this this awareness of and this presence of this this constant um, just communion with God. Awareness of him. They practiced what was called, I love this. They said they would go out and wander for the love of Jesus. They're just walking around. They have no, they have no set agenda. They have no, you know, they, they're not going anywhere. They don't have a destination. They're just wandering for the love of Jesus, just to be with him. Because they knew that could be a, one of these thin places where they experienced the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. You know, a pilgrimage can be a, a mission trip that you take. You say, I want to take some time aside, and I want to go invest in the lives of others, and I want to be present for Jesus to use me. But you know that a, a pilgrimage can also be that journey that we choose to take when we bring children into this world. We say, you know what? I want this journey that I walk with them to be one of these pilgrimages too. And during that whole time where we just regularly stop, have you ever stopped with your children and you just look up and you say, Jesus, what's the point of this moment, right? (laughs) Has that ever happened? Now, sometimes you go, what's the point? But it's not that. It's saying, you know what? I know my life is full of purpose and I know that this is a pilgrimage and I know that this moment is a moment that I can experience Jesus. So Jesus, what is the point of this story right now? Where are you in this moment? Where are you in this moment of joy or of challenge? Where are you in this moment of, of laughter or of tears? Life becomes a constant pilgrimage. We're seeking the presence and the, the face of Jesus. Last set. There are many other things we could talk about, but I figure I'll give you these three. Three sets. You guys can work on these, right? And then if you want to look up some more, um, they had plenty of other these practices that were great. But the last one is they had a perspective of what I'd call partnership. Perspective of partnership. This perspective that we are in partnership constantly with God, with this world that we live in, and with the community of God's people that he has placed us with. We're constantly in partnership. That is one of the places that we find God at work. And so they believe that we find God in these thin places, and some of these places were when we partner with him in the things that he is doing, 
or we partner with this world in, and, or with other believers in telling the story that God is speaking through their lives as well. We join together so that it's not just my story and your story, but it's the story that God's telling through us in this moment. And he's making his heart and his self known to this world. So the question for us is, do we look? Do we look as we're walking down, as you're just walking around? Do you ever look at a, 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 just a rock formation and say, what is God saying through that rock being there? What is God saying through the way he designed this flower? And the, the way the smell that comes from that flower, the way that it just brightens up the whole area. What is God speaking here? What is the story he's telling through this amazing world that it says was, was created by his word? What's the story he's telling? What's the point? Have you ever looked at the other, uh, another person and say, what is, what is God speaking through this person's life? How is he drawing me into their story to be a part of what's going on. And again, sometimes the joys, sometimes the challenges. How is he drawing me alongside of this person so that together we might tell the story of God because there's this perspective of we're not in this alone. We're in a partnership. And out of that perspective of partnership came this practice of participation. We would be involved with God in the stories. We'd be involved with God in this world. And be involved in God with God in each other's lives. Often, what they would call that was blessing. And I want to leave us with this one, because the Celts, they would go around, they would bless creation as they walked through it. God, bless that tree, let it thrive. It's beautiful, and it's telling your story. God, bless that person. May your blessing fall on them, your favor fall on them, so so that people see through their life. God, bless bless the food. Bless the activities of my day. God, bless me as I walk through this door, as I leave this place. Bless me as I go into that new place that I'm going into. Bless the people that I talk to. Bless God, blessing. So that we're participating with God in not only in telling his story, making his heart known to this world and in this world and through our lives to the other people that are in our lives. So is your life defined by that? Is your life defined by this participation as you are constantly engaging and blessing those around you with this story and this purpose, this meaning that God has made you aware of? A blessing to this world, it could be as simple as, have you ever gone into a place and it's just full of trash, right? And you go, oh, this place would be so beautiful if that weren't here, right? This would be a place that might be a thin place that people would experience God if it wasn't so cluttered up with all this mess. You know how you bless a place like that? You clean it up. Pretty practical. But what that means is you prepared that place so that others can walk into that place and they can experience the presence of God in that place instead of the mess. You know what blessing someone else can be? It can be as simple as you walk by someone and you just smile, you give them a greeting, that just lifts them to a different place in their day. It's easy. It's a simple blessing. That's not even getting, you know, on the heavy side of, you know, there's a, there's a word that I, so at the end of the service, I give a benediction, right? A benediction is, just means a good word. I just speak a good word. Do you give benedictions in your life? Do you give good words in your life? 
You can start with these three. Start with these. These are simple. They're perspectives and practices that come out of them. But what they do is they, they draw you into this awareness that Christ is always with us. Jesus is always right here. There's always an opportunity for a thin place where you would encounter him and know him more. God calls us to know the point, not just watch the parable go by. Because the story that he's telling through us and in us is far too important for that. To you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but those who are outside get everything in parables. So that while seeing they see but do not perceive, while hearing they hear but do not understand, otherwise they would return 